in an election that will determine the fate of the entire universe. There's only one podcast holding politicians accountable. Scott Morrison, Anthony Albanese. Who will lose? Find out on The Chaser Report, Election Edition. Hello and welcome to the election edition of the Chaser Report for Wednesday, the 27th of April. We've got Dom Knight, Charles Firth and Craig Recastle again today. And Charles, we're number one. That's right. The trending hashtag around Twitter this morning is come to number one. C-U-M. C-U-M. So this is the Cole Makes You Come song that you made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Which is now number one, isn't it? It's number one on the iTunes charts, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Uh, so I'm glad... Just to not mislead people, it's not this podcast, so don't fear, don't worry, don't fear. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're not Hamish and Andy, <laughs> yeah. although we are doing better than their election podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's a remarkable achievement. It shows you either how amazing uh, our musical abilities are or just how incredibly shithouse the Australian music industry is. Yeah, or yeah. how cum sells. But we have reached out to the Wiggles. Um, to, I saw that to on do Twitter. A, to do a cover of mm-hmm. our um, Coal Makes You Come song. song so that we can get it in the Triple J Hottest 100. We think that's probably the best way G- good approach, yes, to win yes. the Triple J Hottest 100. That's a great idea. And I've reached out to some mm. Liberal Party staffers um, to do a song called Coal Makes Me Come on Desks. Well, that's, I think, probably what the Liberal Party have been assuming that the song is about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll put a desk in the video clip very prominently. I, I hear that it's actually, the reason it got to number one was that it's just on repeat in the uh, Parliamentary House prayer room. <laughs> <laughs> on today's show, we have Tony Burke, uh, Opposition Industrial Relations Spokesman. I'm going to ask him if he gave Albo COVID. I'm a bit suspicious about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about net zero and about uh, the climate, which has finally been mentioned in this campaign, of course, (laughs) with lots of lies. (laughs) And we're going to check out um, the PM's captain's pick in Warringah, which let's just say hasn't been going incredibly smoothly with Catherine Deves. But first, let's catch up with Charles's daily campaign update. We begin today with the solemn news that the coalition is at war with itself. While Morrison was in Queensland yesterday launching hydrogen hubs as the key to his commitment to net zero, one of the national candidates there was out and about declaring the target dead. Colin Boyce pointed out the wording of the agreement Morrison brokered with the Nats last year had left enough wiggle room to make the commitment completely meaningless. Isn't it nice when someone says out loud the thing that everyone's thinking? To make matters worse, National Senator Matt Canavan then said the government's plan for hydrogen hubs should be scrapped in favour of building more coal plants. If net zero is alive and kicking, show me where countries are doing that. But it's not just the Nationals who are breaking ranks over climate. The Liberal candidate for the seat of Melbourne says teaching children there's a climate emergency is nothing short of child abuse. But to teach children that there is an emergency is nothing short of almost abuse. Speaking at a candidate's forum, her reasoning was that whenever we teach kids about what's happening to the climate, they get stressed. have eight-year-old children who are stressed. Better to keep kids in the dark so they don't take the government to court to argue that the Environment Minister has a duty of care to young people, hey? Meanwhile, 
Nine newspapers, chaired by ex-Liberal Treasurer Peter Costello, have the amazing scoop today that the Labor campaign is prioritising Anthony Albanese in its media appearances over failed former leader Bill Shorten. What a scoop! Insiders at the newspaper say tomorrow they've got an even bigger scoop that milk is white. And finally, there are growing concerns that the so-called teal independent candidates are causing headaches for the Liberal Party. Apparently, Liberal voters who care about climate change are beginning to suspect that their local Liberal candidates can't deliver on the climate promises they've made. I wonder where they could possibly have got that idea from. That's the election wrap for Wednesday the 27th of April. We'll be back in a sec. 1 size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Chaser Report, the election edition. Uh, so, look, there's been a lot of articles in the lead up to this to this week saying that climate change had not been uh, mentioned at all in the campaign. Which yeah, I think uh, Labor wanted it that way, didn't they? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which I was frustrated about. Obviously, it's something I care about. But it's it's back. This election is now about a carbon tax again. Yay! Yeah, this is the carbon tax, yeah. isn't it? That Peter Credlin actually admitted was never a carbon tax. Well, this in the is first a new place. one. So mm. let me explain to you. This new carbon tax, okay? Okay. <clears throat> so the Liberal Party is saying the Labor Party has a carbon tax. Right. And I'll explain to you how this happens, right? So there's this thing called the safeguards mechanism. Sounds boring, right? Mm. Is boring. Yeah. Put in place by the uh, Liberal Party, by Tony Abbott. Right. Labor Party is... That so well-known radical. Yes, so that yeah. well-known yeah. radical uh, climate change campaigner. I think you saw yeah. him at recent Extinction Rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, he yeah. does hold a hose, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Labor Party was so scared of this area that they've just copied the Liberal Party's policy. Mm. But mm. this is the thing they're going to do is they're going to actually slightly enforce it. Oh, right. no. Now, so this is this is how yes. it works. Let me explain it using the the metaphor of, an, you know, a flatmate, right? Right. Mm, yeah. You so say you got a flatmate who, for some unknown reason, often shits in your apartment, right? And you come up with an agreement with him. And you say, look, I know you've been shitting in our apartment a lot. Mm. What about if we agree and we both sit down and agree that you'll only do it twice a week? You'll only shit in this apartment twice a week. Because, you know, I understand mm. we can't radically change your approach to shit <laughs> overnight. Yeah. It's going to happen. But if you go above that two shits, we'll pay. You You know, you might need to pay for some cleaning up, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. That's the safeguards mechanism. Mm. Basically, companies agree we won't pollute more than this amount. Yes. The way it's currently operating is this. <clears throat> So let's go back to our apartment room. Yep. Just say that our shitter mm. shits in the place five times a week, right? Yes. The way it currently operates is he so, goes. So, 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 just to interrupt you there, where does he shit the other two days? Like, look, occasionally he uses the bathroom some unknown Oh, he goes to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Or just eats white bread. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay. exactly. Okay. So, so he shits five times this week, right? Yeah, okay. 
And you obviously you say, look, we made an agreement that you would only shit two times. And he goes, mm. yeah, but I shat five times. Mm. So what you do is you change the agreement so it says you're allowed to shit five times <laughs> so that you don't have to charge him anything. That's the way it currently works. Right. So if you pollute and then mm. you go, we said we we're going to pollute this much. Yes. But then we pollute a bit more. They go, oh, it's okay. We'll just change the, the paperwork yes. so that you can pollute more. Whoa. So the, all that's going to happen is, is it's just going to be that you mm. cannot necessarily always just do more shits in the apartment. Sometimes you'll have to pay for them. Right. Mm. Yes. You can see that that's a carbon tax. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So that is there. There's no intervening step between no, that. So and literally, <laughs> by by saying that occasionally we will actually make, say for instance, yeah. a coal company pay for their pollution. They've already promised not to create. Yes, that is what the Liberal Party is saying is a carbon tax, right? Now, let me distinguish between a carbon tax and a normal mm. tax. Okay, if we take. $180 million of actual taxpayer money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we give it to, for instance, put in infrastructure for gas companies in Northern Territory. We actually pay actual taxpayers' money, $180 million to them, right? Mm, yeah, okay? Yeah. That's not in any way a tax, right? No, that's no, not a tax. That's, that's just that, normality. That's an investment. That's an investment. That's normality. Yeah, yeah. Giving a large amount of taxpayers' money mm. to gas companies and coal companies, and that, no. that's just normality, okay? Yeah. you just got to establish that, yeah. right? It's that's just like shitting in an apartment. It's just like shitting in an apartment. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. But if you do this, right? Mm. So if you say, coal company, we're going to actually charge you for your pollution, mm. and so they kind of go, well, we're going to – pass that on in some way to somewhere, somewhere, mm. to some person will have to pay something. That's a carbon tax, okay? Mm. Right. So if you have to pay millions and millions of dollars directly to a, to a gas company, that doesn't matter. That's not, yeah, that but doesn't matter. But if yeah. you charge them one cent yes. to fuck up the world, yes. that is an outrage mm. that should be stopped. In so hang way. on, so you're saying that uh, Labor's policy is to have consequences when people fuck up, I can see why the government's against it. Exactly. Mm. This is, I mean, it is radical in many ways. It's actually the mm. most radical Labor Party policy <laughs> they've had, actually. I can see why they're attacking this. Yeah. Uh, but so, so, for instance, but the thing is, so, great so about I mean, does this mean that it's all over Red Rover? Queensland's not going to vote Labor mm. and, and we're going to. Have coalition. I mean, I'm, be, I'm, call, I'm ready to call the election. Yeah. Call when, election when Craig this. said carbon tax, I, yeah. I during that whole yeah. rant, I, just I filled pa- out a postal for the coalition <laughs> and set it off. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just those two words. Yeah. They've set it up. They've set it up yeah. brilliantly because basically what they've set it up is that any change to their current approach yes. is a carbon tax. So, for instance, yes. the current the current policy uh, mm. of the government is that yes. when you meet with a coal or gas executive, mm. you have to give them a head job, right? Mm. But if you change that in any way, if you just say, mm. no, we're not going to give you a head job anymore, and then they're required to go out and pay for their own head job, yes. that puts up That's the cost car- base of, of coal. Yes. That is a carbon tax being passed on. Thousands yes. of people are going to lose jobs. I'm not sure if it's easier or harder to understand when it's shits and head jobs. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Shadow Spokesman for Industrial Relations, Tony Burke. Hi, Tony. G'day, John. So, Tony, before we ask you about, you know, actual policies or whatever, uh, do you know how Albo's going? Like, is he, how is he going? Oh, he's, his symptoms are nowhere near as bad as what I had. So he's still been doing radio interviews, mm. uh, whereas I actually lost my voice for about eight days. When did um, you have I, it? Uh, I, I missed budget reply. So I was at the budget speech and the next day I was out and um, I was out for, yeah, about three weeks. I, I just assumed you were taking a small target strategy to your budget reply. <laughs> and dodging the thing altogether. <laughs> you got it the same day I did, Tony. Um, and I was looking at the calendar and just trying to work out, I, look, you know, no recriminations if so, but did you give Albo COVID? No, no, not possible. No, there was too big a gap. Do you think that um, Scott Morrison gave Albo at the debate? At the debate, yeah. was brave of him to get into a room of what? You, 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 you mean he was carrying a vial? Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, getting into a room of, of Sky News watchers, you're probably going to get COVID, aren't you? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, it, the the miracle was that he hadn't had it already. Like it was extraordinary that Anthony had gone so long. And if you're going to get it during a campaign, um, you know. It probably couldn't have been at a better time and, you know, did well in the debate. He'd had a, a, a good week in the second week. And so if you had to pick which of the three weeks where it was going to hit, probably as good as it could have got. It's a little bit like saying if you've got to lose an arm, like <laughs> what you don't write with. But he has been doing the Joe Biden in the basement doing the uh, the crosses. It's probably probably easy. You'll have more energy for the rest of the campaign. <laughs> oh, no, he'll, um, I reckon when he comes out of the blocks, you'll be... It'll be at quite a pace. The reason we wanted to chat to you today, though, Tony, is uh, you went on radio last week and uh, we're talking about how basically the Liberal Party has promised to cut wages in in the next term of Parliament. Now, I am not—I was not aware of this at all. What are you talking about? What what is all this about? Okay, so the government. made an announcement um, It was sort of over that Easter period mm. that they were going to bring back a piece of legislation known as the Omnibus Bill. Um, now, the main part of the debate about that legislation was what it allowed was for enterprise agreements to happen where the base rate of pay, so your official hourly rate can't shift, mm. but every penalty rate, overtime rate, shift allowance can be negotiated down to zero. Yeah, right. Which is the whole thing that they did a few years ago. Remember when they cut all the penalty rates? And basically everyone I know ended up with a a wage cut. uh, But it was sort of done so sneakily, like, because it wasn't about the base rate of pay. Like, somehow they they managed to get away with it. Yeah, so, well, yeah, they got away with it because we didn't win the next election. (laughs) That was was how that happened. Um, The... And, and like we had votes in the parliament that we kept losing by just one vote uh, to try to stop those pay cuts. But this time they've announced it as an election announcement mm. that they're bringing back that bill. Uh, now, what they then tried to do just before the debate is to say, oh, yeah, we're introducing the bill, but, yeah, not the bit that affects wages. And there's wage cuts all through the bill. So, <laughs> you know, so Mr uh, Scott Morrison says oh, look, we're not going to change much. And then his uh, minister says, oh, we're not going to change any of those bits. But if they're introducing the legislation, 
that's what the leech does. <laughs> that, that that's what it does. But like, I mean, there, there are other bits that ch- that cut wages in different ways. So there's a a really creative section um, that hasn't had as much publicity as it should, that allows you to trade wages for non-monetary benefits. Bartering. Well, you can yeah. you can barter with your employer. So at the end of your shift, you get given a hamburger. Yes. Uh, you get you get your meal deal, and yes. that can that can knock off an hour's pay. Oh. Uh, if you get a staff discount card, then they can presume that you do all your shopping through their store, uh, and therefore that can be another reason for a pay cut. Well, here, here at the, here at the Chaser, we pay our interns in shiny beads. So, you know, that that's something. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to ask for a chemical test of them. Uh, but, Tony, <laughs> you say that and, and you seem to be suggesting that the voters of Australia should worry about this becoming law if the coalition's elected. But isn't the fact that Scott Morrison's announced that he's going to do it, mm. doesn't that guarantee that it's very unlikely to actually happen in the next term of the parliament? <laughs> well, here's the thing. He's announced that he will and then he said, oh, maybe he won't. Mm. And then his minister said no and then he refused to repeat. So... He can go in any direction now, um, and he still gets to fail to deliver. (laughs) (laughs) But so, in the interest of balance, though, I should try and you know, you know, put some tough questions to you, Tony. Which is, what is wrong with cutting people's wages? The I think the best test goes back to what uh, what you said before when the penalty rates were cut. Mm. Because when those penalty rates were cut, we were told, oh, but it was going to create jobs. And that was the reason. And then the Small Business Council ended up admitting once all the cuts were through, when they were asked, did it create any jobs? They acknowledged it hadn't. Hadn't created a single job. All it had done was reduce the costs on employers. Uh, and, of course, the other thing it had done, it reduced people's income. And that's bad enough at the best of times, but a time when inflation's running so hard, you'll hear Mr. Morrison or Scott Morrison or whatever we want to call him, um, talk a lot about the economy. You'll never hear him talk about the household economy. You, see, you say this, but I'm an arts worker. I don't have any wages to lose. I'm not worried about this at all. <laughs> hey, yeah, because you're you're also shadow arts minister, aren't you? you you're the spokesman. Yeah, yeah. You, you go yeah, to a yeah. lot of gigs. I see on your Instagram. Yeah. How do you find them? <laughs> oh, they're coming back now, and the the crowds are, the crowds are showing up now. One of the problems during the pandemic, and I raised this when they were doing their support, was they didn't provide support to make sure we didn't lose venues. And when you lose venues of a particular size, people don't just lose the local place they might have gone to to watch shows. It also means if you're an artist trying to do a tour around the country, there's particular size venues that you need to match to be able to get the tour to work. So we've, we've lost some of our fundamental infrastructure. So what's out there now and starting again, you'll see big crowds. But from the perspective of an arts worker, there's still uh, fewer gigs than there were because we lost some venues on the way through. Well, our, our venue, Giant Dwarf, had to close. And I've got to say, that's really helped the overtime bill. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> so before you go, I'd just like to get you your tip on the election. Um at the moment, I think Labor's a little bit ahead uh, on the sports bet and things like that, but where would you put it, the smart money, Labor or, or Liberal? Okay, well, first of all, the, the betting markets are the wrong, wrong place to look at all because last time they paid out on a Labor win before the election um, and not oh. exactly how it transpired. Yeah. So I, would, I wouldn't go near the betting markets. So 
what's happening on the ground at the moment is there is a mood for change. Uh, yeah, you see that reflected in the different data that's out there. But when you're talking to people, the the sense that is out there really strongly that I'm getting from people is that last time when they voted for Scott Morrison, they didn't know who he was. Mm. Now they've seen a sense where at the big moments, he's gone missing, whether it's been bushfires, floods, ordering vaccines, ordering rapid antigen tests. When they've really needed their he's gone missing, Mm. and when he's reappeared, he's found someone else to blame and said it wasn't his job anyway. Now, So what you're saying is you want to vote for a change candidate, so Clive Palmer's in. Is is that (laughs) that what you're saying? One more question about jobs, Tony, before you go. If Labor wins the election, can you commit to DJ Albo hanging up the headphones? Oh, wow. I don't think we can. Oh. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think we can. I think it would be a very it's... popular policy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, unlike, unlike the bloke who's currently in charge, um, Anthony only knows how to be Anthony. Um, and um, well, will the, we see a stadium going tour? in and, and mas- masquerading in different jobs? I don't think it's likely to happen. So <laughs> um, they might be rare, but I reckon the headphones will still be about. All right. <clears throat> Thanks very much, Tony Burke. Thanks, Reed. See ya. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Rigging elections since before it was cool. The Chaser Report. Craig and Charles, when I hear the words captain's pick, I start to get a bit upset because it reminds me of school sport when I was always picked last. Mm. What do those words mean to you in politics? The idea of a captain's pick. Can what I is say, that? I always get. I also get upset with that because I remember Charles saying, "Dom has to be on the chaser." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, captain's picks never go well, do they? <laughs> but it, well, what I'm reminded of is when Tony Abbott gave Prince Philip yes. a knighthood. Knighthood. He said, "Oh well, that was a captain's." That's pick. right. Yes. So it's it's actually an act of political self-immolation. <laughs> so um, and I, Scott Morrison seems to be doing much the same thing with his captain picks at this election. Um, we talked about this on the podcast before, but in New South Wales they've needed to use captain picks because they had a huge problem mm. with the Liberal pre-selections in New South Wales. Um, strangely enough, they just couldn't organise them in time. Do you, do you recall why, why that was, Charles? Well, wasn't it because Alex Hawke never turned up to the meeting because Alex Hawke was basically Scott Morrison's you know, rep- representative, and they didn't agree with any of the picks yes. that, that, that the locals, local Liberal parties yeah. had made. So there was a crisis because the PM's guy didn't turn up to the meeting, yes. requiring the PM to just impose whoever he wanted, right? Yes. It's, it's a real flaw in the way they set that up, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and they need to get this right. This is really important for Scott Morrison because one big problem they have is with the seat of Warringah. That was Tony Abbott's old seat. 
And they were looking for a great candidate to try and win it back from Zali Stegall. You know, they asked Mike Baird, who lives there. They asked Gladys Berejiklian. Both of them went, fuck no, we make much money in the corporate world. <laughs> um, so they needed to find somebody to do it. And the thing is, well, Zali's, you know, she's one on climate change. She's an inner city progressive type. They needed someone to fit that mould. What they found was Catherine Deves, who basically, as far as I can tell, was an internet troll in search of a new bridge, basically. <laughs> um, her big issue, the one thing she cares about and has been campaigning about for several years mm. is trans women competing against cis women. Um, and she's been trying to promote those arguments through the most sensible way of getting social change, which is complaining on social media and trolling. That's right, because she said the trans activists were Nazis. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh. And so on one day <laughs> in September last year... You always know when an, that an internet discussion's going well when somebody mm. mentions Nazis. Yeah, so. yeah. It's good to know yeah. that she did year seven debating <laughs> to link everything to Nazism. <laughs> so on one day in September last year, the Herald looked into this. Um, she sent about a dozen tweets criticising trans ath female athletes. Mm. And one of them was gender identity is a toxic religion without a God that comes for our children and infects our society. So she sent that tweet and then the same day sent in her Liberal Party application. So well, she no, wasn't no, even that, a member of the party. That Liberal Party yeah. application, yeah, right. you understand that tweet is the way you apply it's for a Liberal It's a pledge party of allegiance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she set herself up as the JK Rowling of Collaroy. And the <laughs> stupidest thing she said, I think, um, possibly the most offensive, is that there's a link between trans women and serial killers. And to me, all that says is that she's watched The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, but again, just that's that's the chosen. That's, that's the normality. Mm. Again, so it's the change of one trans person doing it that's suddenly right, the change. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah so conservatism see, so is leaving it so that only mass murders are done by white men. It's the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So also on her social media feed, um, among many other random posts, she posted about how sad it was that the wonderful Julia Gillard was handed out of office just makes you think, did the PM do any background checks at all on Catherine Deves? Didn't she also make uh, derogatory comments about the Prime Minister as well? Well, that, no, that was his own cabinet. Oh, okay. <laughs> as a new candidate in Warringah, she doesn't know anyone there. She's really got to hit the pavement and press, and press the flesh. But instead, in this campaign, she is in hiding. And she went on SBS News this week <laughs> and made this claim about why she's in hiding. I have received death threats. I have had to have the police and the AFP involved. Uh, my safety has been threatened. So this goes beyond politics, right? This is shocking. No one this should be making death threats in an election, people. No one should. That, mm. We should never have death threats, which is why it's so good that New South Wales police came out and said to The Guardian they're not aware of any death threats against Catherine Teeves. So wasn't that a relief? <laughs> it sounds a bit like when Pauline Hanson was like, if you're watching this, I'm dead now. Like, no one was actually killing her. So, and the PMs come out and said, look, we can't, this woman can't be cancelled. We're not letting her talk to the media at all. That she didn't even tell them about the SBS interview. Mm. She just went and did it. But what about all the billboards? I went to up the northern beaches the other day. There's a lot of billboards floating around doing the Catherine Deeves Catherine line Deeves. On, on, traf on trans women. Oh, but is, is that the... Uh, Advance Australia. Right? Yeah, I think Advance Australia. Advance Australia, yeah. So there, there's a whole lot of billboards where they go... I want to be able to compete, like compete against women as mm. some trans mm. person, mm. and then and then they've got a picture of Zali Stegall in black and white, so you can tell that Zali Stegall must it's be evil. bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, saying that's transphobic. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It is an interesting approach because there's a lot of. I was in a room the other day with people who all thought this was a brilliant act of four dimensional chess by Scott Morrison. Yeah, mm. yeah it's genius. a strategy. To I mean, firstly, I think mm. that the, the approach is going, we're not going to win Warringa back. Mm. So we're not going to win Warringa. So we can just throw somebody in there that can kind of. We'll lose that election, but can talk to certain uh, yeah, prejudices yeah. in get, the rest of the community. You get, the North, you get the North Queensland vote. You get the vote mm. from people. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge – you actually look – if you break down Australia and look at mm. it, yes. um, you know, there's like 49% males mm. and then there are 51% of the rest of the people mm. are women going for Olympic positions. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's a very big part of the electorate, so yeah. they, you know, they really care about this well, issue. It's funny you mentioned this kind of conspiracy theory that this is actually about other seats other than Moringa because SBS News' Janice Pearson put this to Catherine Deves. There's a suggestion that you're running to simply help the Liberal Party gain seats in conservative regional and rural areas, um, that you don't really have a chance of winning Warringa. You've had some of your own party members criticise your points of view. Do you have any concerns that you're being played at the highest level? If there are other mechanisms at play, uh, I'm, I'm not aware of them. Yeah, checks out. <laughs> She's not aware of what's going on. <laughs> um, but the strange thing is there's a poll out today that says because of Deves' remarks, the Coalition's going to lose Wentworth and Parramatta, mm. um, as well as having zero chance in Warringah. But there's another, there's an even broader poll that's out that from Redbridge. Um, it's in news.com.au today. And it's found that when political candidates attack trans women, gays and, le- gays and lesbians, they lose twice as many voters as they gain. Yes. And that only 2% of voters care about the issue well, of trans women in sport. This is the thing, isn't it? Because I think the Liberal Party thought that they were on to a winner with banning gay marriage and then they massively lost the plebiscide that they themselves set up. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I kind of think this might be the same sort of genius 4D stress yeah, test yeah. that's going on. I, I think it's, it's like, you know, we all make the mistake of ending up in some kind of, you know, Facebook tunnel of mm. people. But unfortunately there seems to be a lot of people who are like, they think all of the posts on Facebook about this issue represent the majority of the population, but mm. they don't at all. Mm. I Actually, I was talking to a Labor Party pollster the other day about transphobia because there, there's a sort of suggestion that in certain uh, communities you can sort of run uh, non-English speaking campaigns that run sexual panic through okay. sort mm. of conservative church-based communities and stuff. And he reckoned that across a whole seat, you can probably move about 50 votes based on transphobia. 50? 50, 50, 50 votes. 50 votes. Okay. He, said, he said, no, no, the reason why candidates lose when transphobia comes up is because they're shit candidates. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to do with the transphobia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if we, yeah. see, if we see the Liberals winning by 50 votes, <laughs> we'll know it was a brilliant piece of four-dimensional <laughs> chess. <laughs> Our gears from Road Microphones are part of the ACAST Creator Network. Catch you tomorrow.